Oh man, I, I learned I learned a lot. Um, it, it just reinstilled a confidence in me that that truly anything is possible, um, and to not it, it it just reinstilled conviction in me that you you really have to have conviction when you're trying to attack something. Um, but one of the coolest things that I that I got the opportunity to be a part of was my belief was reinstilled in mankind, um, and how this journey couldn't have come to fruition on my own. And it really took an army of strangers who, I mean, you, you two are a perfect example. I mean, you guys showed up in Rhode Island and you made us awesome food and supported us. And and you guys both came out and, and slugged away out there while we were on this journey. And, and really it was, it was amazing. And it was in our face every single day the the selfless acts that people were willing to do to to help us achieve this goal for no personal gain of their own or anything they just wanted to be part of what we were doing that was james lawrence iron cowboy and this is the yogi triathlete podcast welcome back to episode 41 of the ytp where we bring you the stories of people looking finding and living their purpose Many of you guys have been with us from the beginning, but even if you've only been hanging out with us for a few episodes, what I think we can all agree upon is that the stories and the purpose and the people that we're graced with through this show are all so uniquely different. And that's the thing about this life. It's uniquely ours. It's an individual journey to finding out why the heck we are here. We all have gifts, you guys, and we are all here to share those gifts. Although they may seem to be ours alone, they do serve a greater purpose. They serve the good of all. It is our intention through this podcast to bring to the surface these purposeful stories, not only to shine a light on the people behind the purpose and further spread their message, but fan the spark deep within each one of us to get more curious about our lives Inquiry is the place of discovery, and it's okay if you have no idea what you love. But if that's you, then just get curious about that. And with that said, you're going to find that some of these stories speak louder to you than others, and I encourage you to listen very closely to those. Listen in for the essence of what it is that's speaking to you, and get curious about that. Talk it out with someone you trust. Get still and be in silence with it. Journal every day and have faith that there are no mistakes and timing is divine even when it doesn't seem that way. And the story of today's guest is one that has spoken loudly to both BJ and I for so many reasons. It was back in the spring of 2015 when Beej and I first heard of James Lawrence. It was just a few months out from his epic 50-50-50, and despite many people feeling that it was impossible, James showed us all that there is no impossible in this life. On July 25th, 2015, James completed 50 iron distance triathlons in 50 days in 50 states with the strongest and most selfless support crew by his side. And on the day that they were in Rhode Island, BJ and I were by his side, soaking up the greatness of his journey and feeding off the energy of his massive accomplishments. And even now, in hindsight, James admits that what he did is impossible. James is unstoppable, 
And despite the naysayers and the critics along the way, he never lost sight of the greater purpose. He was raising awareness around childhood obesity and contributing 100% of the monetary support collected along the way to the Jamie Oliver Foundation. James is first and foremost a family man. We had the pleasure to meet his five beautiful children and spend time with he and Sonny during our stay. They welcomed us into their community while their awesome friends, John and Kim, opened up their home to us to stay. We were only supposed to be in Utah for a night or two, but we ended up being there for six days and immersing ourselves in the playground that is the Cowboys' backyard. James's story is one of resilience, conviction, and never giving up no matter what stands in our way. It's about getting over the obstacles in life so that we are constantly in forward motion and not holding ourselves back out of fear or a need to plan everything to perfection. This is a look into James's life after the 50-50-50 and how 10 years of perseverance and belief is giving back to he and his family. So giddy up, you guys, because you are in for an inspiring conversation with the one and only Iron Cowboy. All right, we're rolling, rolling. Here we are, Iron Cowboy's house in Orem, Utah. Not by chance, a little bit by plan. Some by chance. Yeah. But we're psyched to reconnect with you. I convinced him to stay longer. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's not the sheer beauty of the mountains and the surrounding and the perfect weather that did it. No, I mean, it the this... convincing words that I spewed. You know, you, you grow up in New England and you think like, oh, we've got it all. We've got the ocean and we've got the beautiful architecture and the big trees history. and everything. Yeah, and the history yeah. and all of that. And like you don't consider, I mean, I really never considered other states. And I mean, although we've been to Park City to go skiing and things, but this place is blowing my mind. Yeah, I, I've, I've traveled everywhere, lots of places. Been to every state, obviously. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And uh, just, I've been to a lot of countries too. I think I'm approaching 20 countries with with my travels and exploits and sharing my message. Um, and every time I come back to Utah, I'm like, yeah, this is this is home. This really has everything that I love, and it just suits my lifestyle. It's really safe. It's really clean. Um, it's really cheap. Um, it's just beautiful too. I mean, I'm I'm li- literally looking at the Rocky Mountains, and I can be from my house. F- on foot, on beautiful trails in less than five minutes. Yeah, it's pretty spectacular for sure. And we were ju- you were just telling me in the after we just had lunch down at Costa Vida. Is that what Co- it was? Yeah, Costa Vida. Costa Vida had a little Tex-Mex, little which clearly Food? they are not used to have a bunch of vegans walking in because <laughs> they were like, "I'm which is the meat? No meat. No meat. Chicken? No meat. no meat. Shrimp? No meat. No meat. Cheese?" No. No. No meat? Pass. No. Would you like to double your meat? No. <laughs> so I just got three pounds of lettuce. No, it was really, really good. Um, yeah, so we haven't seen you since you were in Rhode Island on the 50-50-50. I probably look a little healthier than I did. A little bit. Than yeah. I did then. Even I just came off of a long run, but um, that, was, that was deep into the adventure. Um, and even if it wasn't super deep, it was deep enough that um, we, we were definitely struggling and we'd overcome a lot of things, but... I mean, it was it was a daily grind out there, and so it's actually good to see friendly faces from the 50. I can't even believe that you remember us, but I actually think that we were either day 25 or day 26. I we think, think we're, we were like, you had just... You we were, were 31. Oh, okay, like you were over yeah. the hump. Um, and I have to tell you... You I, guys around Connecticut? 
at the day after Connecticut. I thought we weren't supposed, supposed to talk to about Connecticut. 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 We were sworn not to talk yeah, about Connecticut. Con- Connecticut was a dark day, but I know exactly what number Connecticut was. It was 30. Um, <laughs> yeah, so we were so, 31. So you were 31. Uh, Connecticut was a, it was, was a pivotal moment. It's where I, either, I, I, I had a choice. I was either going to suffer through the next 20 and possibly fail in what I was trying to accomplish, or I was going to shed all the excuses and, and own the fact that I cho- was choosing to be out there. Um, and I had a, a massive attitude shift or a rebirth in Connecticut. And so there's a ton of negative that comes to my mind when I think about Connecticut, but then there's also a ton of positive. It was a true turning point in our journey. Um, and so when, when we got to Rhode Island, it was actually the rebirth of the Iron Cowboy. And it was when I had made a choice to own the project and, and I really plowed through those last 20, um, and it's interesting if you take my times over the the first 30 and the last 20, my last 20 are my strongest. And it's because Connecticut was just that, that shedding of excuses and entitlement and where I was choosing to put my focus. Um, and and once once we made that shift, and, and I personally made that shift, then it started to overflow into the crew. And, and so you guys were day one of the rebirth. a new attitude. <laughs> Um, which was which was kind of cool, and it was Casey's birthday. Casey's one of the wingmen. Um, he got sick, and Rivers was with us, and had been with us for about a That's week. That's right. He was he was running with us that day. He, he was new, and Rivers is an unbelievable spirit. And Casey and Aaron were there, and we had some adventures. We almost killed somebody on the bike, and I just got updated that he is recovering well and and doing good. <laughs> and I still feel bad for moments like those that happened, and it's crazy, but. I don't know when this podcast is going to be released, but as of today, right now, sitting here, the documentary went live today online, um, and so you can get a, a good glimpse of, of what's that on, and I'm, I'm going to post the links on my social media. So for sure, for sure, when this podcast goes live, um, we will have the, those links up. Yeah, and if you haven't watched it already by the time the podcast goes live, then after you finish listening to the podcast, you just got to go and buy it. Don't even rent it. Just buy it. Just buy it. Just buy it because it's it's a piece of history. Because as we were just talking in the car on the way back, you said um, I actually did it, but I, I I think it's impossible to do. Yeah, it's funny. Um, <laughs> per- perspective is an amazing thing, and where you are within your own journey, and when you're in a fight and you're fighting, and you're you're taking certain steps, it seems logical with what you're doing. And at the time, coming off of thirty Ironmans in a year. The next step in my mind was just 50, and, and it, was, it was where my mindset was, and it was exactly what I was doing. And, and we fought, and we fought, and, and we took the next step. And we ultimately accomplished the goal, for those of you that didn't know the end of the story. <laughs> I apologize if I ruined it for you. Um, but looking back on it and being it, uh, almost a year removed from the experience, I, we, we truly don't know how we did that. And, and it, it's a, a really really good example of having enough resilience in the moment and just doing what it takes in order to accomplish the goal. Being on the other side of it and and having accomplished it, looking back at it, I can totally see why people said that would be impossible. And it was coming from their perspective. And I I fully understand now because I, I truly think it's impossible. Well, after we met you that day and, and, um, you know, I got to swim with you and BJ did the bike with you. And then I think we both ran with you at different legs. I remember going home that night and we were just so fired up and, and we were talking about how 
just getting in, being in your energy, like, we are like, there's no way he's going to quit. There's no way. Like, he might, we were like, he might die, but there's no way he's going to quit. Like, he's not going to give up. And we just knew that. And I just know the energy that we were, that we were dedicating towards you every single day, like leading up to that 31st Ironman. And then even more so after we met you and your family and spent time with you, it was, I can't even imagine with all the people that were around you, how much you had behind you. Yeah, it was interesting. Um, you know, we, we started, we started the journey and we started, you know, people heard about us and they were like, all right, he'll, he'll do 10. People can do a DECA. And then they're like, he might make it to 15, but no way, no way 20. And so really the states, no the states that we were planning on going to that were, you know, 20 states, 25 to 50. I mean, the, the, the people that had volunteered to help us really didn't have anything in place because they didn't totally anticipated us not, not coming up. And, you know, once I did 25 and 26 and 27, the guys at 30 were like, holy crap, he's coming. And then once I hit 30 and 35 and 40, the guys 40 through 50 were like, dude is coming. And, uh, and it was just really cool to see the, the shift of people's mindset from, no, there's no way it's not possible. He can't make it to, we better, we better set some things up and put things in place. Cause he is so determined and has enough fight in him that he's going to see this thing through. And, and I think that's a, that's a valuable lesson for people out there that we, we all, everybody's hard is relative to where they are in their life and their journey. And, and I tell a story from stage about my mother who has struggled with her obesity her entire life and a 5k is hard for her. And she came out and she did the final five, five Ks with me. Um, and it was a monster task for her. And every day she was the last person across the finish line. And every day it was the hardest thing that she'd ever done. And those five, five Ks in five days was her 50 Ironmans. And somebody's hard is getting up in the morning and, and just starting that day. And, and I can totally appreciate that. And I, I, I don't expect people to see my journey and, and match what I did because everybody's on their own unique special journeys. And everybody's hard in the moment is just as hard as everybody else's. And I think we're really quick to judge and we're really quick to assume that someone has it either easier or harder than we do. The reality is, is we're all in this life together and we're fighting and mm-hmm. throwing punches and getting punched. And, and it's just a matter of having the right attitude and just moving and doing. Well, resiliency is such That's my a favorite big, word. Resiliency? <laughs> Resilience. It is. It's, it's such it's a huge. powerful, powerful word. Yeah, how, how do you think people strengthen their ability to be resilient? By doing action. Uh, I, I talk about people can plan themselves to a failure. And, and it all comes down to having a, having a big goal, breaking it down into micro goals, and then just being present every single day and doing it. And just, just that resilience, the ability to keep fighting is where people will find success and they will grow and build that their own resilience. Um, and it, it just so many people... I get contacted daily, weekly. We just talked about this in the car about people wanting to do big things and I want to help. And, and the other part of me knows that human nature, these, a lot of these people are just not going to put it into action and they're going to continue to try and plan until it's perfect. And ultimately they're going to plan themselves to a failure and they're not going to execute and they're not going to, 
do what they have in their mind that they're going to do, and they're going to miss out on an incredible adventure. And so I would say plan something until you think it's 50% to where it's plausible, and then just go. Like, just start doing it. Have the big goal and, and have some key things in place. And at some point in time, you just got to start grinding and doing and experiencing. And again, we talked about in the car, about people are so rigid with what that journey is supposed to look like. And if they deviate from it, they consider themselves a failure. And that's just an opportunity to learn and problem solve and get closer to it. It, it, People are just so set on the direction that they're going. And what needs to be set is the destination or the big goal or the everything else in between just needs to be fluid. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, that's the beauty in it. And that's what so many people miss out on just simply by not starting. You, you don't start, you, you're going to miss out on the journey and you'll never ever reach the end. Well, there's that fear of failure. It's paralyzing. It's paralyzing. It's scary. And, And what I've learned is every time, one of the biggest questions I get is how did you become mentally tough? And I'm like, it doesn't happen overnight. You have to continually be faced with these fears Fear is reality, and it is what it is, and I hate, I hate to say that, but it's just part of life. Um, and it paralyzes you, but every time you face your fears, you realize it's not that bad. It's not that scary. It's not that scary, and it's, it's, just, it's just a mindset that paralyzes you. And, and if we can, I'm not saying if you're scared of heights to jump out of an airplane. I'm saying if you're scared of heights, go three steps up and look down, and then realize it's okay and you're safe, and slowly take small steps in order to overcome these fears and sometimes if you have too many fears yeah you just need to jump out of an airplane mm-hmm. <laughs> and sometimes that's the only way to, to the only way to fix things um but but i mean we, you just have to start breaking down walls and barriers and, and face those fears and you're going to realize that dude it's not that it's not that scary it's actually kind of fun i was i was i had a session this morning with my um with my meditation teacher and he was talking about the three things fear of success fear of failure and fear of the unknown so we're talking about fear of failure, but also fear of success. Like what happens when you're done with it? You finally attain that goal, that one thing that you were working for. And then it's, then what? What's the next thing? And I think, <clears throat> I think it's awesome because one of the biggest lessons that I learned about every single state that I went through, I crossed a lot of finish lines. And it symbolized to me not a finish, but simply a milestone. And I think as we go through life a big goal just means a milestone or a launching pad for the next phase, the next chapter, the next goal. And as long as we continue to progress and learn and grow and have these adventures and I've, I've, I've joked and I said, take away the 50 Ironmans and take away any world record or any accomplishment or the 87 Ironmans that I've accomplished. The true value to me is the people that I've met along the way and the relationships and the, the stories that have come with it and the, the change that it's invoked that's that's the meaningful part of it and i i've i've said it to where i don't don't care about any of these accolades or accomplishments what i care about is how many people i brought along with me on the journey and and the impact that that has and hopefully the ripple effect that that has and so that's I, i call it a an empowering game of ping pong because i do something and then i get a message saying that somebody accomplished something because of what i did and that's super humbling and very flattering and then i think well, I can't stop. I have to go do something because it's empowering somebody else. Mm-hmm. And then somebody will send me a message. And so it's this game of ping pong going back and forth 
to where I can't stop because it's empowering people and I keep and so it's, it's but they're empowering you to go they even are further, right? because so I'm like if I stop fuel either yeah, way I love it and so like people people email me and they're like you're so inspiring and it, because you did and then they tell me their story and I'm like dude that's way bigger than what I did and it's just really cool and it's just perspective mm-hmm. and I love getting those those emails and I share it with my wife and we have a moment and and then it's actually great great teaching material for my kids too I'll share some of the stories with them and just the lessons that we can learn from again it goes all the way back to everybody's struggles are different and it's always empowering their stories like Dude, I come across people all the time that lost 150 pounds. I can't even wrap my mind around that kind of journey and what that took. And and yeah, it's just it's just really humbling that people look you know look up to us for for what we've done when they don't realize that I look up to them for what what they've done and what they've accomplished. And everybody's full circle. I mean, it just everybody's heart is is equal to I mean, we, to each other. We say that you know the. The struggles, you were saying that the struggles are different. I think they're different in the way they look, maybe the language that you use to describe them. But I think at like the very essence, as the human condition, our struggles are are pretty similar at their core. There could be different intensities, but I think at their core, and I think that's what's so relatable, once we start to open up and connect with people like you or the people who have connected with us who are like, you know, I just cleaned out my closet, you know, and that felt so good. And it's, yep. You know, it's like you don't have to sell your house and live in a Honda Fit. You don't have to do that. But if cleaning I will, out... I will never <laughs> do well, what you guys Well, I mean, I think we're moving into the Iron Cowboy Honda van. I think our fit is going to fit in the Iron Cowboy van. I think we're going to just park in the Iron Cowboy I, van. I, I don't think the five kids fit in the fit. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think they fit in the fit either. But, um, yeah, it's fuel either way. And so people, if, they, if they've been living under a rock and they haven't heard about you i mean you didn't come out of the womb as the iron cowboy right i mean i guess you did in some sense but you were in corporate america i mean you were in the mortgage business and so there had to have been fears back then of in 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 realizations and aha moments for you of maybe i'm not happy or you know what is that unknown and how did you step into it yeah i think the biggest thing for me was realizing that i didn't have to listen to what everybody was telling me was appropriate or normal. And and once I realized that I could carve my own lane and that I was a unique individual and that my passions and my desires were real and that I gave myself permission to follow those, I think that's when I had that, that big shift. I mean, I think people, again, it's that fear of paralyzing, of, of being your real authentic self and, and taking a few risks. One of the biggest mistakes I see people make is they compare themselves to others. And my wife and I had this conversation the other day about traditions and, and people are going away from, I'm, I'm, I'm contradicting myself right now, but people are going away from traditions and I love the thought of, of traditions, but you still have to create your own lane and be you. And so it's that fine balance of keeping with the old and being true to that and respecting the past, but doing it in your own new, unique way, creating your new traditions. Because I think people are getting, like, it's, for some reason, like, Christmas is trendy or something, and people, like, want to go away from Christmas or Halloween and these different things. And I'm like, dude, those are sound traditions that are awesome, and you can still do them. But as far as, like, creating your own lane and being unique in yourself is you don't have to do what everybody else is telling you to do. Totally 
total tangent it was. I apologize. But um, traditions are cool, and I think we should adhere to them. But in that same mindset, you need to create your own lane. Well, let's see, I want to go back to um, the, you sitting behind a desk in the in the mortgage office. It's awful. Like, didn't you own, didn't you own a mortgage business? Uh-huh. Is that correct? Yep. So you got yourself into that. That. So you were owning the business, but you weren't. It was not filling you up. It was the American dream. It was owning your own air business, quote, being your air own quotes. boss. Yeah, air quotes. Yeah. Owning your own business and being your own boss, and and doing what people expected you to do. And what I mean, my dad is. I grew up in a, in a home where my dad was was blue collar. He was a firefighter. You work for forty years, you retire, you get a pension, and that that was life. And then my mom was this dreamer, and and she watched me as a dreamer, and. And, you know, you get all the social pressure to, to do a certain thing and, and get this job. And, and it was just like I was having an out-of-body experience where I was just like my skin would crawl every single day. I was in this this atmosphere. And, and I mean, I was making good money. And, and it was a valuable lesson to me that you money doesn't make you happy. No. People just assume that you go out and you make money and it's going to solve all your problems. Um, money, money will relieve certain stresses. Because money will take care of your bare necessities and it'll, le- le- you know, as a father, I want to make sure that I have a house and a roof over my kid's head and can provide food for them. And, and money will alleviate a lot of those pressures. Um, but it doesn't, it doesn't bring you happiness. And, and, and so that was the moment when, I, you know, the economy crashed and we lost everything in 2008 and ugly story. They came and took everything away from us and blah, 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 me and alongside a, a million other Americans. Um, but to me, it was one of the best things that ever happened to us because it was, it was an opportunity for me to hit the reset button and take some risks. Um, and we were talking about a friend of ours today who's 28 years old and struggling with, you know, air quotes, a real job and, and trying to follow his passions and dreams and, man, just dive in two feet and just, just go. Cause if you, I, if you completely screw up and you miss the mark, you can, you still have so many opportunities to hit the reset button. Yeah. And and I think we, we limit ourselves, again, going back to comparing yourself to other people and the standard of what people think is normal. As soon as you stop comparing yourself to someone else, you can exceed and push through those expectations, create your own lane. And it, it, it goes back to people telling you what is normal, what is expected, and, and we fall into that trap. And you can just, just be authentic and do you. So... In 2008, when you had all those material things taken away from you, I mean, that that had to have been really scary, right? And also a huge realization that it doesn't matter how much money you're pulling in. There is real no real security in that. And I agree with you that that probably was one of the best things that ever happened because it forced you to, to create a life where you could provide for your family. Yeah, it was, it was a huge struggle because... You know, they do take everything away from you and they strip you of your manhood mm. <laughs> being being a provider. And so that was, it was super humbling. I mean, it even impacted my kids because we're building a new home right now. And uh, I, I overheard one of my younger daughters say to, say to my wife, Sonny, she was like, is the bank going to come and take away our house again? Mm. And that's just like a mm. dagger to the heart yeah. as, as, a, as a father who's trying to provide. And so she was, you know, she's scared. But what's interesting is... I look at, I'm going through the whole mortgage process and having a mortgage background, I understand the process. And 
the the way that the industry lends and the way that banks think is is completely backwards to me. Um, the, the paperwork that we can show is has no no direct correlation to my ability to repay back anything. Um, tax returns are all bogus, <laughs> and and so it, it's interesting because. I've created my own lifestyle and I'm in complete control of how much money I make or I don't make. And the bank looks at me as high risk because I don't have these tax returns that show what, but but, but my bank statements show great income and steady income, but they look at someone who maybe works for corporate America that has a a contract or something Mm -hmm. And to me, they're the they're the biggest flight risk right. because there is no guarantee that that guy wakes up tomorrow and doesn't get let go from his job, and then he's at a complete dead end and has nowhere to go. Where for me, I have four or five different streams going because I've laid the foundation and I've created different avenues that if one kind of collapses or, or goes a little bit sideways or weakens, I've got three or four other things that I can lean on with an entrepreneur attitude. And so to me, I am far more stable than, than, you know, from the bank's perspective, I think they're looking at it completely wrong. And I have, I have way more freedoms with what I'm doing and I'm in control. I have the choice every single day, whether I'm going to flourish or flounder. And I'm in control of how much, what my bottom dollar is. If I want to get up and I want to work really hard today, that's going to directly impact my bottom line. Where in corporate America, you can get up and have all the hard driving work in the, in the world. But if you, if the co- company's making cuts or gets bought out or whatever, and you're gone, you now have no income. And, and so I, it's just been interesting to go through the, the re go through the, the mortgage industry and, and the way that the banks look at things. And I truly think that they have it backwards. I, I see, I see us having created our own income and, and carved out our own path we're actually more stable and have more freedoms than someone who's tied down to maybe a nine to five and is, is, is try- I mean, they're, they're just at such a risk and having a corporate job has, is no direct reflection on someone's ability to repay a mortgage. Well, they're probably not looking at James. They're probably looking at a uh, motivational speaker and, and athletic training coach. They're not looking at what they're looking at is like salesperson or vice president. And they're looking at job titles and, yeah, Things that they can be safely, they can safely say, okay, this is gonna. But but none of those things. But none of those things are safe. This know, is what's w- so brainwashed I, I w- about the I way wish we live. Was, I wish there was something called common sense. Yeah. In, in the in the lend, <laughs> yeah. in the lending world, there should be a loan that's called common sense lending, and and the banks just they just don't have it. And I get I get it that their hands are tied and they're dealing with with higher ups. But I mean, it's it's why we had to go through a credit union that has a little bit more flexibility in, in what they can do and they're not we're not dealing with with big bank restrictions because uh, on paper I look like I'm not a great borrower um, but I'm far more stable and strong than than someone who actually has mm-hmm. a job and yeah has a two-year two-year history I, I would <laughs> say you're you. pretty disciplined and <laughs> disciplined and motivated all right I want to switch w- gears then I, I just wish you could put you could quantify drive and, and work ethic on paper, but you, you just can't. Oh, my God. I would say 70% of the mortgages wouldn't even be yeah. handed out. Agreed. Because I think a lot of people are living. I've, I've done this. Oh, my God. I had this job when we first moved to Colorado. Oh, it was, <laughs> selling I just headsets. took whatever job I could to get us to Colorado. I was selling headsets. So I go into my office. 
I brought in a little TV and I would literally sleep on the floor in my office because my boss was in Florida. And then at the end of the day, around three o'clock, I'd check the voicemails and then I'd return the thing and then I'd put the orders in and then I'd go home. You want to talk about low motivation, but I bet I could have gotten a mortgage. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Could have had, we could have been living in a McMansion. <laughs> we, li- we live in a backwards world. So um, awesome. I want to switch gears back to the 50-50-50 because I know you did a lot. I was actually looking online for like um, recaps and stuff like that. And everything was like really, it was last year when you first finished it. Now you've had some time under your belt. You, I mean, you've written a book, which we haven't even talked about that. That's going to be coming out next year, March, March yep. 2017. Yep. The movie is out today. Yeah. Somehow we got some kind of sneak peek Special preview yeah. trailer that we don't know yeah. how we got, but we did. <laughs> it looks amazing. I can't wait. And if you're telling me it's live, we're going to go home tonight and watch it. Yep. Um, what was the biggest thing that you learned about yourself from the 50-50-50? Oh, man, I, I, learned, I learned a lot. Um, it, it just reinstilled a confidence in me that, that truly anything is possible. Um, and to not... It, it, it just reinstilled conviction in me that you, you really have to have conviction when you're trying to attack something. Um, but one of the coolest things that I, that I got the opportunity to be a part of was my belief was reinstilled in mankind um, and how this journey couldn't have come to fruition on my own. And it really took an army of strangers who, I mean, you, you two are a perfect example. I mean, you guys showed up in Rhode Island and you made us awesome food and supported us. And, and you guys both came out and, and slugged away out there while we were on this journey. And, and really it was, it was amazing and it was in our face every single day, the the selfless acts that people were willing to do to to help us achieve this goal, for no personal gain of their own or anything. They just wanted to be part of what we were doing. I um, mean, and it was really really cool because people could see that we were struggling and we had no idea what we were doing, um, and and how difficult. I mean, we were just so naive going into it, and and I think it was just awesome to see people and their ability to give and receive nothing in return. And so the, the gift that I've received from that is, is I'm in a position now where I can continue to give and help and empower and share my story and, 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 and just, just get that satisfaction of, of giving back to people. Um, and it's just really, really cool to, to do that and be part of it and, and see that there's still a lot, a lot of good out there. I, I disagree with um, you saying that we came out and we didn't get anything in return because <laughs> I still live a little off that energy. And I'll tell you, when I was um, racing in Cozumel last year at Ironman, which you're now prepping for, I remember thinking about you and just like, if you can do fit, like, just keep your head in the game, you know I mean? There's, there's nothing to complain about. You don't have to do this tomorrow. And you didn't do one yesterday and you didn't do one the 20 days before. But for us, it was, I remember I, I, had, I could have a, a notebook of excuses not to have joined you that morning. I really had to, I had a couple classes I was teaching, and I remember I drove over with my mountain bike on the top of my car, and I stopped at a beach, and I chained it up, and then drove to the swim start, awesome. and then swam with you, with you guys halfway, and then at halfway, I swam into shore by myself, got my bike, I had my bike lock key, like, around my wrist or something, or in my bathing suit, got my bike, rode my bike back to the start, and then drove back, taught a class, and then I 
I think you had said at that point that, oh, Sunny really likes kale salad or, or thanks for the food. And she was, she was hoping there was a kale salad. I went home, I made a kale mm-hmm. salad, came back, dropped that off and you were riding with them all day. And it was so funny because the, the whole thing, the whole underlying thing of what was motivating us is that we just want, not only did we want to serve you, we just wanted to be in service of what you guys were doing, but we wanted to get a taste of that greatness. Like that was the selfishness was like, I wanted to be a part of something great. And that's what you provided for people. And I think that every single person would walk away saying that they walked away with so much that day. Well, that, that's super humbling to hear. And, and thanks. So, you know, tons for that, those kind words. Uh, I, I think everybody's intention, I think that's what people ultimately walked away with mm-hmm. um, after the experience, but no, nobody had, in, nobody including us had any idea what it was going to be like in the moment. Oh, and yeah, so, yeah, yeah. So they didn't walk in with the intention of walking away with something, no. <laughs> which is where I believe that the, the true, you know, selfless yeah. act comes in because you didn't know what you were going to experience. We could have been walking into see. a mess. Yeah, well, you did walk into a mess. A I little mean, bit. We, we were a, a flat-out dumpster fire. Um, but it was super cool that, you know, we were we were literally at the mercy. Everything was so chaotic and so minute-to-minute minute that we were at the mercy of everybody that just wanted to serve us and, and brought us food. And sometimes it was, you know, McDonald's burgers. And sometimes it was unbelievable food that, that you brought us. And so... We, we, on days like that, we were so grateful for the the preparation and the thought that that people took, and, and we were we were grateful for everything. Um, but we were extra grateful on the moments and days when something like that. It was happen. just so cool to see everybody surround you guys with so much support. I mean, we were tracking it the whole way, and then. You went to Massachusetts, and I know you met our friend Julia Hanlon. Um, yeah. yeah, and then I think <laughs> she a, went to another. She's a Chrissy state. Wellington lookalike. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. I, I looked at her and I was like, "Chrissy Wellington showed up." <laughs> <laughs> And she's like, no, my name is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was just, it was super fun. And then, um, I mean, there was part of us that definitely wanted to be here in Utah when you finished. But I knew that we had unfinished business. I knew that we would see you again. I didn't know how or when. And here we are now sitting at your kitchen table. That's so awesome. it's just so cool how the world works. And I guess what I want to um, say from all of that is that if there's a spark, like if there's something like you're like, oh, I want to do that. I want to be a part of that. But I've got these classes to teach and I've got too much to do. And how am I going to make it work? Just keep, keep like, fi- like feathering that spark. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Right. Because that's where you're supposed to be. We were supposed to be there that day. Well, I think, I think again, people, people are scared and they're used mm-hmm. to normal and they're used to routine and anything outside of that, that deviates from their rigid plan, um, is scary. And, and I think people need to take just try it for the first time when you get a, a cool inkling to do something even slightly adventurous. Dip what your you toe, do? dip your toe in, and what mm-hmm. are you going to do? I talk, I talk about getting all the way up to the cliff's edge, and then backing away from it. And and the greatest gift that anybody can do is to just take a step off, mm-hmm. and knowing it's going to be okay, and it's just a little bit of fear, but a lot of adventure, and a lot of fun. And, and I think the biggest part of that is a lot of opportunity for growth. And, and that's what fear provides is experience and growth and maturity and a lot and some fun. And self-discovery, like yeah. the, this journey we've been on, it's been a deep education <laughs> on me at I least. I think maybe you more than yeah, me. Yeah, I, I just have never 
been feeling more like myself than I have on this trip. And I think- Is it liberating? It's so liberating. Yeah. But oh. I never, I never thought- it would come like this because I'm so regimented. You know, I would train like two or three hours a day. I would do a workout in the morning, workout at night. I'd go to work and this is the safe zone and this is what I know and I can control. But you're going to get the same result every time. Yeah. And, and being, consist- being consistent is cool because I know it's one thing that you, you, you really believe in and so do I. Um, but it's being consistent in moving the momentum one bit at a time every day towards something that's, that you want to achieve. Yeah, and I, I think I think consistency doesn't have to be consistently safe. Yeah, like it doesn't have to be right. complacency. It doesn't have to be complacency. Yeah. It can be consistent with growth and learning and progression yeah. and movement and action um, and all of those really cool things that, that lead to... I mean, we all, we're all on this earth, and this is just my belief system. We're all on this earth, and we all have to learn the same lessons. And if we're so stubborn and we keep learning the exact same lessons, they're going to keep happening to us. Right. And it's, I don't understand why people walk up to the same wall and hit their head against it every single day. Um, mm-hmm. And eventually, we all have to learn the same lessons, and mm-hmm. you're going to keep getting the same lesson shoved in your face until you choose to mm-hmm. sit down, internalize it. Mm-hmm. Why, is this hap- why is this really happening to me? What do I need to learn? Why is this triggering me so deeply? Figure that out. Have some meaningful conversations with yourself and figure that out and learn that lesson and then move on to the next one because that's where adventure and growth happens. And I just don't understand why people will walk up to the same brick wall and run into it. <laughs> like just figure out how to get around that wall. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then if just, you're lucky enough one day, you're going to look up and be like, oh, all I have to do is climb up this and I can get to the other side. Yep. And I think that's where physical activity really comes in because there's nothing... I mean, I wish I could have a laptop or a journal with me when I'm running because all the great stories and the things I want to write about and the things that I want to do and, and all of that come to me on my run. And I'm like, oh, okay, just remember that. You know, you immediately want to attach and hang on to it. And I wonder if that happened to you. Um, I'm, I'm sure you took some time off after the 50-50-50, but I, I often wonder how you wrote the book because there had to have been part of you that shut down in order to do that. So how were you able to like, um, how were you able to get those moments where you could see what had happened and you could record it? Yeah. So it was an interesting process. Um, and I partnered with Matt Fitzgerald, Mm. um, who's an unbelievable writer in the space. Um, and I knew that, that he had to write the book, um, with me and he recognized right away that, my memories were suppressed immediately after the 50 because I, I had to go somewhere else during that experience. And he knew that he had a very small window to extract some information out of me. And so he, there was no break. Immediately after the 50, um, he committed to write the book and we were on the phone every day for, for hours. And we went through every single day and it took me looking at pictures and seeing video And he wrote down key things that I said and key people that I remembered. And then he did an unbelievable job. He said it's the most fun he's ever had writing a book. He went and interviewed hundreds of people. And for the individuals that he interviewed, it was their one day. And so it was very vivid. And the details, me reading the book now and the way that Matt described things and wrote them, um, are so spot on because 
those individuals that I had contact with and experienced with, it was one of 50 for me, but it was one of one for them. And so it's very accurate and really well written. And it's, and it's from their perspective. They remember what I said, but I don't. Yeah. I remember the conversation that you and I had on the run. And I have no recollection of ever having a conversation with you. No offense. (laughs) No, I know. (laughs) No offense. Um, But, but it was, it was like that way. I mean, especially 30 through 50, I had that rebirth and it was a choice that I had to go. I had to become very selfish and I had to go very dark in order to accomplish it because nobody would have cared. Hey, I said I was going to do 50. I did 32. Hell of a job on the 32, but you've ultimately the perception would have been I failed and what my goal was. Mm-hmm. And so I had to go somewhere else in order to accomplish the, 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 those last 20. Um, and even though they were my strongest 20, they were my foggiest 20 because of what it took. And so we really had to... Me, me talking with the wingman and, and people that I, I inter- interacted with, Matt would come back to me and say, hey, these three people all said the same thing. Do you remember that happening? And, uh, and, and then once we would talk about it, I'd be like, oh yeah, okay, that did happen. And then it would open up some other doors. I um, mean, so all of the memories are there, but they're just, I, I wouldn't be able to think of them on my own. They have to mm. be brought up. Mm. Um, and now, now that we've gone through the entire process and the book is done, I have a much, much better memory of it and watching the documentary and having that live footage. And I'm glad we have all of that because I truly wouldn't remember a lot of it. It was so, I know we've said a lot, but it was so chaotic and so minute to minute that it, it literally was a 50 day period with, with naps or breaks. There wasn't a, a very distinct difference between one day to the next. It was n- new people and a new, new scenery, but it was one constant flow for us. And so it was very hard to distinguish. Like someone, I, I remember key points of Rhode Island, but only because we've talked about them in the past. Coming off the 50, if someone would have said, well, how was Rhode Island? Eh, I, don't, I don't know. Give me some, give me some context. Cues, yeah. Isn't that crazy give how the context. body works? Like oh, how it's amazing how it, powerful. It's, but it's sending all the energy into what you had to do yeah. at that moment, which was get through these 15, 14, or 14, 15 hour days. For and sure. that's what it will do. It will con- it will shut down different areas to conserve. Okay, we don't need this right now. Yep. Let's just put it all into the legs yep. or whatever it is that we need. Yep. What was life like when you, fr- like how, what was it like when you first came back here and landed? What was the reception? Once the fanfare had kind of, or maybe it didn't, maybe it blew up. What was life like right after? And, and what's it, how's it changed since? Yeah, it was interesting because we were prepping for this giant letdown because, you know, we talked about it earlier in this podcast about how you reach this huge goal and then you and then you just you just mm-hmm. have this massive nosedive. Um, and because of the enormity of what it was and what we had accomplished when when nobody said it was possible, it didn't it didn't die down because I immediately had media responsibilities and I had sponsor responsibilities and it, we, I had speaking engagements and it, there was just, there was zero letdown. I mean, we were talking in the last 10 days about getting together with a psychologist and, and what the post, I mean, you talk about post single Ironman blues about all the training and all the prep and then you, you accomplish it and then nothing. And so times that by 50, you know, people were like, okay, you need to seriously contemplate what your game plan is to back out of this, what you did. And um, it, it just it just didn't happen. We it just kept going, and and it still hasn't died down. I mean, it's it's really cool that this is my life now, and I 
I mean, just before we sat down on this, I, I got an alert on my phone and someone wants to, to book me for speaking. Um, and it's just, it just continues to happen. And it's just this, it's, it's now our life. Um, and, and people say, are you tired of talking about it? And I'm like, I'm, yes, I'm tired of talking about it, but I know the impact that the story has. And it's, so I still get enjoyment out of it because I'll, I'll talk to an audience of four or 500 people and it's amazing the impact that we have. And my goal is only to touch one person and I'll get half the audience that'll wait around and ask questions and want a picture and share the way that I impacted them. And it's just, it's super humbling to, to go through that experience. And, and so, yeah, life post is, is, is awesome. Um, uh, we're, we're, we're doing good financially because of the speaking and the coaching and all of the other things that, that we've set up. And so it, it's alleviated a lot of those basic need yeah. struggles that we were having for the past decade, trying to achieve these goals. And it allow nows me, it now allows me to go out and continue to be creative and passionate about what I'm doing. And we joked at lunch that every day is Saturday. <laughs> Uh, totally. And I get, you know, I went and did a 20 mile run today in the mountains and I was like, this is my job. Like, this is so cool. But people don't realize that it was 10 years of grind yeah. and vision and conviction and incredible resilience to, to, to get there. And I'm at a point where my mind and my body are in complete alignment. And, and when it gets the hardest and that's when people quit and they're, they don't realize they're probably just on the cusp Mm -hmm. they're just so close and they they won't take that final step off the ledge and just truly believe in what they're doing and they miss out on what i'm experiencing right now which is just a lot of fun and i I, people say that the it's a wave and it's going to go away and and i I truly don't think it is because i'm going to continue to create and be creative and i'm going to continue to be inspired by the stories that keep coming to me and it's going to continue to to make me want to do cool, fun, adventurous things because I know it's going to have an impact on one or two people. And it's just preparing you. You said this earlier. It's just preparing you for the next thing. And so those people who get to the cliff and they're like, I can't do it, I can't do it. It's like, oh, man, not only are you missing out on what's on, you know, on the other side of that mountain, but you're missing out on what's on the other side of the mountain that's next to it and the one next for to sure. it. And I mean, and you started this a long time ago. You didn't just like get off the couch and say, I'm going to do 50, 50, 50. You... Have, do you still have the um, half Ironman and full Ironman records the, for the I ha- year? I, I don't hold the record anymore. They've both been broken. So in 2012, uh, you did 30 full Ironmans uh-huh. in 11 countries yep. and without a lot of help. Zero help. Yeah. In 2010, <laughs> what was it? You did 22 half Ironmans, a lot of which you were sleeping in your car yeah, and totally. starting to touch that piece of humanity, which... Um, you had spoken about that people were helping you out and inviting you into their homes and yeah i i, I joke and i've wanted to write a book called iron mankind um because that, that's really when it started was all of the like people don't realize that it's iron man is an individual sport and any great accomplishment is not done by the individual and it's it's the masses of people behind you it's it starts with your your core belief and then your core uh, group that you've put beside you you talked about running into the same wall every single day what you don't realize is take a look around you and have those your your core group 
give you a hand to push you up over the wall. Mm-hmm. Quit trying to do everything on your own. Mm-hmm. And even though this is an individual sport, there's no way I would have accomplished anything starting a, a decade ago if, if I didn't have one, Sonny, the kids, and my, my immediate support crew, but then all of the individuals and complete strangers that I never knew that took me in and believed in what I was doing. And that's just one of the greatest gifts from this. Um, and, and I don't, I've, I've said it a million times. I said it when I broke the world records. I don't care about the world records. It's truly about the people that I've met along the way. And people are like, are you scared that people are going to break your records? And I go, I hope they do because they're going to have the experience and the growth that I've had along the way. I, I don't think anybody will come along in the near future and do the 50 just because I, I believe it was the perfect storm. And if anybody does want to do it, they need to take five kids with them. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Your crew was, I mean, I remember just thinking about them like, oh my God, not only, like they were really, they were shielding you from a lot. They were doing oh. all these logistics. Like you were kind of just the the machine that was out there getting, you know, the physical done. And um, then to see them like jump into the marathon, like Casey and Aaron, like riding with you and everything, plus driving all night and your wife, amazing. Those those two, Casey and Aaron. Unbelievable. We'll, we'll throw rivers in there. And then, and then obviously my wife. Um, people truly won't know what, what they went through either. Huge oversight on our part, and we, again, it's we had plan A, but all the details weren't ironed out. They were my Sherpas during the day, and then nightfall would come, and their job was also to drive me to the next state. So for 50 consecutive days, and for no gain to these guys, um, they, they are the truest example of sacrifice and just doing something selfless just to help somebody else achieve their goal. And thank God for rumble strips on the road. Oh, jeez. <laughs> and Casey's a teacher too, right? So he's doing this on his summer What was crazy is break. like the perfect storm was these two guys. And I don't know that there was two individuals that I would have rather had with me. And they were kind of the only two that were in a position to do it. Casey's unbelievable wife, Ryan, allowed him to take his summer vacation from being a teacher to come out on this adventure. And somehow I convinced young Aaron to quit his job and... And to do it, and, and they turned out to be the two perfect guys um, to help me through this journey. And just, I watch videos of them, and I get emotional just because I know what they went through and just how selfless they, they truly were to. And see, trust me, no personal gain for them. Now, it turns out that that Aaron now works for me full-time, and, and he's my training partner in the day, and and, and I, I, I've had the opportunity to impact and bless his life that way, and and he's appreciative and I'm appreciative and I still have an unbelievable bond with Casey. We're going to Cozumel and doing the Ironman together. And I, I mean, Aaron got married this past weekend and I consider us all brothers and, and have a warlike bond with each other. And I grew up with no brothers, only sisters. And, and I consider both them absolute brothers. That's awesome. And you guys are all getting ready. Is Aaron going to Cozumel too? He is, yeah. Nice. All right. So let's talk about Cozumel. Yeah, so you just got back from a two, two and a half hour run. Two and a half hour run. Training for Cozumel. How is this? So just, how is it different than going 50? Because you were talking about this in the van. Like, yeah. like, I'm done with the run. I don't want to go do anything else. Yeah, it's, I mean, obviously perspective when you're, yeah. doing, when you're doing 50 and you, you just get up and you do the next day's task. But today, I mean, yeah, just under 20 miles and, you know, training with some intensity there, there's there's a difference i mean I've, I've done kona i've done a lot i've done a lot of ironman events and there's a difference between i mean i had to train a specific way to do 50 consecutive ironmans i had to teach my body to go slow again um and now i'm changing gears and 
you know, you, 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 you get into racing and, and back in the, before the 50, you would race for speed and try to qualify for world championships and do all these things. I had to condition myself and train to go slow. And now I'm flipping the switch again mm-hmm. and I'm trying to go fast. And it, it truly is a different kind of training, a different kind of mindset. It's different, um, stresses on the body. Um, dude, it, it's hard work, um, to, to train properly and dedicate towards this. And it's, it's a lot of hours. It's a lot of grind. Um, and there's so many small things outside of just doing the workout that people don't realize to, to have success in the sport. I mean, just the, the recovery things and the nutrition and getting your mindset right. And, um, but I'm excited to race again. I finally feel like I have my body back, mm-hmm. um, after beating it up for, for many years doing these long, long endurance challenges. Um, I joke and I say that this is my, my final Ironman. Um, and I, I truly believe that it is. If I can break 10 hours and, and join the nine hour club, I think I can, I'll be satisfied and just retire with a smile on my face well, and make- retire. I mean, jokingly because I, it's a lifestyle and I love what I do. I don't, I won't truly retire, but I think, I think at 40 and, and having the career that I've had and I've been totally blessed, but I just want to have some fun. And some, sometimes, <laughs> sometimes trying to bring the best out of yourself is, is exhausting in a different kind of way. And Cozumel seems like a fun place to let that happen. It is. It's amazing. <laughs> it happens over, it happens over Thanksgiving. Um, our, my wife loves it there. I swear she was, um, initially supposed to be born a, a Mexican. Um, she's this beautiful, I can tell with that blonde she's hair. She's this beautiful blonde girl, but she's fluent in Spanish. And so she'll speak, she'll start speaking and the, the locals are just, just taken back. Um, and we've been to the island many times and it's, it's, arguably Sonny's favorite place to go. The locals are awesome. The they're, crowds they're down so there are cool. The crowds are so phenomenal. On that run. I have tried to articulate to people why Cozumel's the best. And in, in my opinion, it's two things. One, it's the best swim circuit. It's the best swim on the circuit, hands down. Um, and, and two, the locals make that race. Oh the God, energy, the, the awesome. atmosphere. And so this year we're taking off of five of our kids. And so we're going to spend Thanksgiving on the beach there and, and expose them to one of our truly favorite places to go. It's amazing. Yeah, we're fun. We're excited. So cool. And um, I just want to touch upon, so strength training seems to be such a big component of your, your lifestyle. Yeah, you it know? is. I, I posted a picture just the other day and people were like, you don't look like a triathlete. A tri- <laughs> you don't right. look like a triathlete. Who could blow and, over in the wind. Yeah, and, and I... And I absolutely no offense to anybody else i could be more competitive if i was 150 pounds and for my height i should be 150 pounds to be able to run better and and whatnot but just my it's not natural for for my body and and i do this as a lifestyle it's not i'm not going out there to to try to win prize money i've, I've missed that window of being a professional I'm, I'm 40 years old um and so part of it for me is is feeling and looking good just slightly vain, but I, I enjoy, mm-hmm. I call it, I call, um, professional cyclists at their manorexic. And, <laughs> and I, I don't think, I don't think, I don't think that's a great look for me. <laughs> and, and, I don't like that look. I don't like that look. And so I'm, I'm okay with getting a little bit extra, you know, a little bit extra muscle mass. I mean, and I, and I firmly believe that, that despite Ironman being an endurance sport, I think it's a muscular endurance sport. And I think that, the reason people struggle deep in an Ironman is not because they lack the cardiovascular ability. It's because they lack the muscular mm-hmm. endurance, meaning 
they've maxed out the strength that they possess, meaning they need to become stronger. That's twofold. It's one, it's a lack of preparation and doing the work, but it's also a lack of eliminating or not including strength training in your workout. And we run an entire coaching program. It's teamironcowboy.com. Um, and we do have an emphasis on strength training, which I think a lot of coaches overlook. And, and, and I get that you only have so many hours in a day, and I would rather see you not do some junkier miles and, and incorporate some strength training. I think people would see better results because 10 times out of 10, at the end of an Ironman, you will not hear somebody say, oh, my legs felt awesome, but my heart rate was just too high. Every single person says, I couldn't get my heart rate up and my legs felt like bricks. I just could not move them any faster. And that's because you've taxed your muscles to and beyond their capacity. It's also the reason that you're cramping. You've worked that muscle to exhaustion beyond what its strength capacity workload is. And But people instantly associate cramping with nutrition, nutrition. and sodium mm-hmm. and, and all exactly. of that. And it's all... It, is this mic on? Because it's all marketing. Um, it, it has everything to do with strength training. It has to do with doing your long workouts appropriately in the right intensities. Yes, you have to hydrate and use sodium and electrolytes to keep your body in balance and functioning properly, but it does not have a direct correlation with cramping. Yes, you can contact me. Yes, you can send me studies if you can find them that aren't produced by Gatorade that have a correlation between your muscle cramping and your amount of sodium intake. I don't believe it. I've actually been seeing a lot on this recently, like this, these new discoveries that it's... I've I've been saying it for years. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Iron Cowboy was talking about it in the cubicle at the mortgage office. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So we want to wrap it up here. Um, Since... We've met you and been following you, and you've, you've done the 50-50-50, and we're now here in your home in, in, in Utah. You're so even-keeled. Like, you're so... <laughs> it seems like you're so grounded. Thanks. Um, where's the, where's <laughs> the punching bag? That's, that's my wife's fault. <laughs> <laughs> She's in the background shaking her head. Yeah, we're going to move the mics into the living room after this. We're going to get the real interview. <laughs> but I think people would consider something that you've done. Like, you'd have to be fiery for it. Like, you'd have to be you know, eating it up and, well, and like, being uh, a monster. We just read Siri Lindley's book and she talks about Brett Sutton and how he really channels anger as like, you've got to be motivator. angry mm-hmm. out there. That's and... not even close to my motivator. Like yeah. Yeah. people, people meet me and they're just like, Oh, you're actually pretty quiet. Yeah. So and it's a quiet like, confidence yeah. pretty much. How have you always been this way or is it just, yeah. I mean, my wife jokes and a lot of, a lot of my friends that watched me through the 50 that really know me and who I am. They're like, the most impressive thing that you did over the 50 wasn't the 50 Ironmans. It was the, the social aspect and you interacting with so many mm-hmm. people every day and, mm. and being as engaged and interacting with, those, with, with complete strangers. Because if you know me and the house that we're building, I want the party to come to me. And I'm a homebody and I have my, my core group of friends that I really enjoy. And I, and I and I joke all the time that I've I've reached my friend limit, and if somebody has to leave the circle in order for a new person to come in, and and have to application you know, process. yeah, there's an application process. But I do, I do I'm I'm really um, I enjoy fam like my close family. I enjoy my kids, and I have a really great network of friends, and we love to entertain at our house and, and have people come. And but I I'm my wife is the center of the party. Um, and she loves to, she's eccentric and she's beautiful and she loves to do that, that entertaining. And I would love to sit at the back of the room and observe. 
um, with a smile on my face and just enjoying the, the company, but everybody else can be um, the center of attention, which is, which is the opposite of what my public mm-hmm. persona is because I get up on stage and I perform and, and I joke every time I go to a speaking engagement, I, I fight the urge to cancel it because it, just the internal battle or conversation or fear that you don't have anything to add or value. Cause it was just a journey that I went on and I experienced and I get that from the outside looking in, it was spectacular and people want to hear that story. But for me, it was just part of my adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, you know, my, my natural instinct is to call and cancel that gig and my assistant <laughs> talks me off the ledge and I get on stage and I share my story and it impacts a few people and then at that moment it's worth it um but my my natural personality is to just I'm, I'm chill I'm even keel and life is good well and I love that you just said that you know you you, st- you still get scared like you still get like standing up in front of people it's like it's, yeah. you'd rather kind of probably be home with the kids and totally. and sunny and um so one final question just to really wrap it up is Fear is something that we're always going to have, right? Even though you do 50 Ironmans in 50 days and 50 states doesn't mean that you're not going to have fear in your life. So what's one thing that someone can do to start to work with that fear? Because it is real and it's, and it's, um, it's a part of life, but it, it can be paralyzing. So somebody who's paralyzed by fear out there, it doesn't matter what it is. Like what is one thing they can do to start working with that? Because you have to start to make a relationship with it. Yeah, absolutely. Fear is fear is paralyzing, but I think fear is essential in order for us to to grow and learn. Um, and I'm, I'm going to cover the entire spectrum with this answer because there's two ways to approach it, and it depends on your own personality type um, and and how you react to things or process things. And some people need to jump into the snake of or the pit of snakes and just overcome that fear and take it all in at once. And there's other people that cannot handle that approach and that's okay. And it's okay. I'm going to go into a room and observe a snake behind a pane of glass. And eventually I'm going to go into that room and eventually I'm going to hold that snake. And it's a, it's a process. So you either need to break it down into simple manageable steps and take action with it. That's the key to everything is taking action and changing your perception of what the fear really is and what's triggering you. And if that, doesn't work and your approach it needs to be different or it's just completely not functional for you then if you can't overcome those small battles somebody has to push you off the ledge and you have to dive into it and so depending on your personality you either got to dive in with two feet or you have to break down the barriers in something that is palatable for you um, but you have to take the action steps to start breaking down those barriers yeah. and you can start doing that when yesterday <laughs> yeah. yeah right now yeah. right, right, right now, now. there's, Even there's if it's... no reason to not do it right now yeah. i talk i talk about um uh, being paralyzed by fear but having the realization that you can be perfect for the next 60 seconds and you you that's that's a small victory and that's a win and it's only even make it smaller just be perfect for 10 seconds or overcome something do the hardest thing you've ever done for the next two seconds that's a two second victory that you will grow and and make it and you can it's it's literally about taking that next step the first step and doing something really really hard just for one second yeah and And that's how i got through some of my hardest points is like okay i'm going to break this down to the basics 
I know how to pedal my bike. I'm going to work on the perfect technique for 60 seconds. And that would get me through that space and time. And I would build upon those building blocks. Even doing something that I could do in my sleep, it got so hard and so dark at moments that I was almost paralyzed with fear that I I had to break down the bike mechanics and just focus and execute on the pedal stroke for 60 seconds to, to survive that moment. Yeah. And I think people underestimate the small moments like that, but those moments are anything but small because They're huge. that, that moment could have gone either. That's the biggest moment. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest that's moment. The biggest exactly. Moment. That's yeah. the biggest moment. That's that one second that leads to the next second or the perfect 60 seconds is the biggest moment because none of, none of the perceived big moments happen without the biggest mm-hmm. moment, which is taking the first step. Yeah, that's awesome. I want to wrap it up right there. I think that's perfect. So if people want to find you and tell you about how they're going to do um, thousands of things over a certain amount of days. 100 Ironmans in, um, in, in, get... Iron in 30 days. Okay, that's how do they, when, they, when they decide they want to do that, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, so it's awesome. If you want to, be, <laughs> if you want to tackle an Ironman or even a 5K, we've got a coaching program, teamironcowboy.com. All of my social media is linked through ironcowboy.com. I do mostly everything on Instagram and Facebook. Um, our, our documentary just came out today. Look for that on my Instagram and my Facebook. Um, and then the book releases in March, but you can pre-order it right now. Um, oh, and it's all about the pre-sales, people. Order pre-sales. it up. Pre-sales. Get pre-sales on that. are huge. All yeah. right. Yep. The goal for us <laughs> um, and one of my goals is to get on the new york times bestseller heck yeah and so uh, th- that would just be a really cool thing to do and i've learned that it's not about it, it's really about the pre-sale process totally. it's, it's about how many books you can move i don't know all of the statistical things but it has a lot to do with how many books you can move prior to the book actually coming out which is in march so i have five months to hit some numbers um i would love the support and really uh, I'll be blunt. You think you know the story. You have no idea what the real story is. It's a great read. Matt Fitzgerald did an unbelievable job. I've poured my heart and soul into it. And it's a, it's kind of an autobiography slash 50-50 journey because um, we flash back to how I actually got to the start line um, and a lot about my back history and my story and mine and Sonny's and, and our journey as well and the struggles that, that we endured to be able to even tackle something like the 15 so it's a really cool story um and i hope everybody likes it yeah so everything can be found ironcowboy.com it'll link to everything ah i can't wait the behind the scenes and don't think that you're going to get the full story with the documentary because the book is always better right that's right the documentary is (laughs) a teaser to the book (laughs) yeah all right thank you so much james thank thank you you, for sharing your house with us and having lunch with us and it's just been awesome to be here awesome right Man, I love his story so much because it is anything but a silver platter serve-up. I mean, this guy has worked his butt off for it all. He has never lost sight of his dreams. He has never given up on his family. And I know that James took a lot of flack during the 50 on his ability to be a quote-unquote good father. But what I can tell you is that I would be hard-pressed to find a better dad or husband or athlete than James. He is generous and gentle and strong and unrelenting. He is powerful in knowing his purpose of the moment, and he pursues his passion with everything that he is. If there is ever a question about putting inspiration into action, James's story is one to reference. 
His documentary is out, and if you haven't seen it, click through the show notes to this episode and watch it today. His book will also be out soon, so be on the lookout for a link to pre-order that book. I cannot wait to dive into that one. I think there's going to be a lot of backstory there that's going to lend even more impact to his story. So that's it for this week. Thank you to everyone for supporting the show. For everyone who has used the Amazon banner ad, and it is official, our Patreon account officially has life. So please consider a monthly contribution. It can be as little as a few bucks, but you guys, you have no idea how far that few bucks will go in the lifespan of this show. So thank you, everyone. We love you guys. Like, I'm serious. We really love you guys, and we love that you are tapped in, and we love that you're riding the high vibe.